Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God that I'd like to study with you on this Transfiguration Sunday is the second reading that was from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Just a few short verses, but packed with a lot of content. You can look along in your folder if you'd like to, to follow along together. Have you ever thought that you'd like to see the glory of God? I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you could be like Moses and go to the top of a mountain, maybe not 40 days, that's kind of long, but 40 minutes or even 40 seconds and, and see God face to face so that his glory would beam on you so brightly that when you came back down, it was, it was still radiating. Or, or wouldn't it be cool to show up to church one Sunday and like Isaiah, see that the temple of the Lord was filled with the glory of God, smoke everywhere, angels in the front calling holy, 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 back and forth to each other, maybe even a, a little rumbling in the building. Or even just to be like Paul and have Jesus appear to you on the road into Winnicott. That's what Peter, James, and John experienced. Jesus invited these three disciples to the top of a mountain. I'm confident they didn't have any idea what was going to happen they were just following Jesus as they usually did, but when they got there, that's what they saw. Jesus was transfigured before them. His hair, his clothes, his face was brighting, shining brightly with all the splendor of God's glory. Mark says, whiter than anyone could bleach them. And, and Moses and Elijah appeared, and Peter said, Rabbi, this is it. This is what we've been looking for. All we've ever wanted is to see your glory, and it's good to be here. Let's stay. We'll build shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We just don't want to let this moment go. And then the cloud appeared, and God the Father spoke as he did at Jesus' baptism. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Oh, they were basking in the glory of God. But just as quickly as it came... It was gone. They looked up, and Jesus looked ordinary again, even human. Apparently, it was not good to stay there. Jesus still had to come back down the mountain to finish the work of our salvation. And, and the disciples would have to follow Jesus down, down the mountain, and they would have to follow Jesus as Jesus suffered and died carrying his cross. Later, they too would suffer and die. In fact, isn't that the fate of all of us in this world? You suffer and then you die. That's it. So how do we get to see the glory of God? Today, that's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us in these few short verses. He shows us how to see the glory of God right now, though it remains hidden, and eventually in eternity. But that's not what the devil wants. The devil doesn't want you to believe that there is any glory. And if you think there is, he certainly doesn't want you to see it. Take a look at verse 4 of our reading. Paul said, the God of this age, that's the devil, he has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
The devil wants to blind your eyes, he wants to blind your mind, and he wants to blind your heart so that you cannot see or believe in the glory of God. And he's got a couple of strategies to do that. The first one is he wants to distract you and cause you to go chasing after the glory of this world. And don't we all want that? We all want someone to love us. When you're a child, that might just be your parents. And as you get a little bit older, then you want to know that there are friends, people who care about you. And a little bit after that, you want someone from perfectly the opposite sex to, to tell you that you're special and unique and, and you're the one. And, and then you want to be good at something, right? You want a teacher or a coach or someone to tell you, why you're really smart, you're good at school, or you're a really good athlete, or you can sing well, or you can perform well, or you can play this instrument better than anyone else. We, we seek this glory. Isn't that also why we want stuff? We want iPhones and Apple Watches and coach bags and Gucci glasses, if that exists, I might have made that up. We, we want fancy cars and big houses, oh, all that, so even strangers will approve of us. Social media did that, right? Just give me a like or a follow or a subscribe, and the more people that like or follow or subscribe to you, I mean, the more glory you have. I don't know if any of you pay attention to Disney+, Plus, but we do at our house, and Andrew and I just watched the new Percy Jackson, which is all about the the Greek gods, Zeus and Ares and Poseidon. The main character, Percy Jackson, he, he finds out that he's a half-blood. His father is the god Poseidon. His mother is human. And, and he has to go to this camp for, for people like him. And the first thing they do when he gets there is tell him that this place is all about glory. And they even take him around to try all of these different skills. We're going to find out what you're good at because if you're good at something or if you conquer someone or if you capture the flag, then you'll have glory and everybody will know your name. Isn't that what the devil wants us to do in this life? But it doesn't work. Have you ever noticed that most of the people in our world who have the glory we seek, they're famous they're popular, they're powerful, they're influential, they've got more money they can spend, they, they've got all the fancy gadgets and toys. You ever notice that many of them still end up addicted to alcohol or drugs? They still end up in depression. Many of them end their own lives. They realize that it doesn't matter how much glory they have on earth, it, it, it doesn't fill them up inside. If the devil can't get you to chase after the glory of the world, then his other strategy is to try to convince you that there is no glory in God, or at least not for you. He whispers in your ear, if God really loved you, then why is your life so hard? If God's really forgiven all of your sins, which supposedly causes all of your problems, then, then why do you have so many problems? Why do you suffer from chronic pain? Why do you still get sick? Why, why do people you love have to suffer from incurable illnesses and diseases? If, if you belong to the family of God, then why do you feel so lonely? And if there really is life after death, then then why do you have to die at all? Have you ever experienced Satan's deception? 
Have you gone chasing after the things of this world to find out it's something is still missing? Have you ever wondered if God really exists or really loves you or, or forgives you? The devil, he only has one goal. Paul said in the first verse that if our gospel is veiled, if the devil has succeeded in putting this dark curtain over the gospel, it's veiled to those who are perishing. And that's all the devil wants. He wants you to suffer in misery forever just like he does. But that's not what God wants. God told the prophet Ezekiel that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil ways, that they repent and live. Through the apostle Paul writing to Timothy, God told us that he wants all people to be saved by coming to a knowledge of the truth. God wants you to see his glory. And Paul tells us how. It's verse 6. God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. I wish we had another hour just to break that one verse down, but just consider a few main points. The God who created light. The God who said, let there be light. And it wasn't the sun and it wasn't LEDs. It was just what God created. The God who created light from nothing, he makes his light shine in your hearts. And that light first gives you knowledge of who God is and what he thinks and how he acts. But then he also shows it to you. It's displayed God's glory in the face of Christ. But it doesn't look like it, does it? Did you notice earlier that only three disciples got to see Jesus in all of his glory? Peter, James, and John. What about the other nine? Even after they saw it, when they went down the mountain, Jesus told them, what you've seen here, let's not talk about that. Don't tell anyone else until after the Son of Man has been risen from the dead. How, how did that work? I mean, don't you think the other disciples were saying, Peter, James, John, what were you doing up on the mountain? What did you see? What did you hear? Ah, can't talk about that. When they saw Jesus, this is all they saw. They saw a human being who needed to eat, top left. They, they saw a man who got thirsty and needed to drink water. They saw a man who could sleep on a boat in the middle of a storm with the wind howling and the waves crashing and the disciples so afraid they thought they were going to drown. They saw a man who after he came down the mountain, walked into a garden, who was betrayed by one of his own, arrested by the church soldiers, handed over to the Romans, bought, mocked, beaten, spit on, crowned with thorns, and then hung on a cross. They saw a man who looked like them. And eventually died. Uh, granted, they saw some of the miracles. And when Jesus turned water into wine, or when he, he healed somebody, or made, made the paralyzed man walk, or even raised the little girl of Jairus' daughter, they saw God's power. But they didn't see his glory the way that Peter, James, and John did. And, and those miracles, while it gave them confidence in God, this, this was hard. So how did they see the glory of God? 
Well, it's hidden. It's hidden right there in Jesus' life, suffering, and death. Because Jesus did not come to earth to display the bright light of God's glory. Jesus came to earth to earn our salvation so that we could see and live in God's glory forever in heaven. In order to accomplish our salvation, that's what Jesus had to do. And so when Jesus was just living everyday life, when he was eating and drinking and sleeping, he was still fulfilling God's will, or as he said at his baptism, fulfilling all righteousness. He was living for us. When Jesus was suffering mockery and torture, he was suffering for us. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he was paying for our sins. That's the glory of God. God's glory is hidden in Jesus' life, suffering, and death because that's how God offers you his glory forever. But for us, it's, it's still hidden. We don't see Jesus in those situations. Instead, for us, the glory of God's hidden in the gospel. It's just a book. It's an old book. Written by dozens of authors a long time ago. A lot of it seems old-fashioned or hard to understand. And yet every single time you hear the gospel, you see the glory of God. Because when you see Jesus, you see just how much God loves you. And he loved you enough to send his one and only son who loved you enough to live, for, to, to live without glory even though he is the son of God so that he could earn your salvation. Every time you hear the gospel, God proves that through Christ, suffering and death, he has forgiven your sins. Every time you hear the gospel and you hear what Jesus did, you hear proof that God has made you worthy and holy. Every time you hear the gospel, God proves to you that there is life even after suffering and death, and, and not just any life, eternal life. Every time you hear the gospel, you see Jesus. And when you see Jesus, don't you see the glory of God? You can go looking everywhere in this world and you'll never find it. You're always going to wonder if somebody loves you. There is always going to be somebody who is better than you at school or sports or life. There are always going to people, be people with more money and more wealth and more power and more influence. And, and if the devil gets you to chase after those things, you'll miss the glory of God. And don't let him chase you to the other ditch either to make you wonder if there is glory. Because every time you see Jesus, you see that God has loved you from eternity. Every time you see Jesus, you see that God has made you his own dear child. Every time you see Jesus or receive his body and blood with the bread and wine of Holy Communion, God gives you again the forgiveness of your sins. And so come and hear the gospel. The church may never be filled with smoke and angels crying, holy, 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 but I promise you that every time you come here, we will show you the glory of God. When you come to Bible study, you get to see the glory of God with fellow believers to, to realize again that you're not alone and by yourself and having to do this with your own power. 
But when you open your Bible at home and read it with, on your own or with your family, then, then Jesus is going to appear to you right there. And even though you might have to still live through some more suffering today or tomorrow or for years to come, Jesus promises that when you follow him to his cross every time you hear the gospel, that he will lead you into eternal glory. And there you will not just see the glory of God like Peter, James, and John, but you will live in it forever. Amen.